What is up? What you would like to be up is your bank account, your financial security, if you will. And that's what today's episode is about. It's about increasing those things by increasing your knowledge. Today, we have back with us returning favorite guest and my husband, Brett Johnson, to answer your questions about your financial situation. Remember, no question is foolish. No question is too small or too big. But please also keep in mind that Brett is not a financial advisor. So the information you're about to hear is meant to be taken as entertainment. It's meant to be taken as information that you can go and research further. It is not a guarantee. It is simply his opinion. All right. So let's get to it, shall we? Let's do it. Let's go. All right. I'm going to start off with a question from someone who's part of our Patreon who said, listen, I'm older. Their question is, how do I start? It almost feels like it's too late. I get that a lot. And I get that from people that are like even in their 30s. Really? Yeah. They think like, oh my gosh, I started so late or in their 40s, right? But there is no late. Investing is about time. It's like, of course, it would have been nice if you started in your teens or your 20s or your early 30s. But if you didn't, for whatever reason, it's not too late to start. And the important thing is you just don't keep putting it off and saying, oh, I'm going to wait six more months. The worst thing you can do is like, oh, I'm going to wait until I have $1,000. Don't let the fact that you haven't started investing kind of overwhelm you. When you're of an older age or you have taken a while to get to the point of investing, you're going to do it differently than somebody that's in their 20s. Like you're already closer to retirement. You can't be as risky. So for example, you're not going to want to be doing cryptocurrency that might not hit for 10 or 15 years. You Mm. don't want to just put yourself in a bunch of like risky allocations where it's like speculative type stocks that aren't making any money. You really want to stick to like blue chip stocks that are proven over time, things that you see in touch and look at every single day. You don't want to just like put your money into something blindly, but on the flip side, contrary, whatever you want to call it. When you're younger, you can be a little bit more risky. You can actually take 10, 20, 30% of your income and be really risky because you have more time to kind of make up for a mistake that you might make or a bad investment because you have time is on your side. I'm glad that I'm here that I can kind of be the audience and say one thing you always tell people is just put your money in and ride it. But if you're closer to the horizon, if you will, let's say you're in your 60s or even your 70s, does that advice change? Are they looking for something that they stay in for a really long time? Or are they just looking for maybe a lower return, but a more certain return? I think it depends on your age, but like you just threw out two numbers, 60s and 70s. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, I think you might want to go into something that's more fixed income where it's like literally that you're getting a guaranteed three or 4%. Now you're not going to get the annual returns that the stock market's been doing over the last 25 years of 10%, but you also, the average is 10% over like the last 25 years, but last year you would have been down 30%. So you got to avoid doing that when you're in your sixties and seventies, having a year where you're going to lose 30% of your money. Mm -hmm. So my advice there would be like, look for something that's more fixed, that that can give you a steady return of like three or 4% a year. What are blue chip stocks? Okay. So there's different sectors. 
And what a sector is, is like there's a financial sector. There's an industrial sector. There's sector a, of stocks? Of se- yeah, sector okay. of stocks. So instead of saying sectors, it's, a category. it's just a category. Thing. It's a category, okay. right? So it's like women's shoes, underwear, lingerie, whatever it might be, right? So there's all these different categories. And then within these categories, there are blue chip stocks or best of breed, which means they're the best. What do you think the best workout shoe that people wear in the world is best i don't know what the best is but nike adidas nope just use what best and brief nike okay nike that's it there you go oh so so it's best in category best in category so So it's blue ribbon yeah so So why do they call it chip i don't know i don't know why they call it blue chip maybe but you could chat gpt that while we're doing this so for instance like energy right which has all the oil companies, right? So the best one is, if you Google that right now, is Chevron, right? So it's very easy, like a consumer product, right? A consumer product that everybody has, that you look at every single day and you play with every single day and everybody owns it and the customer satisfaction is 99%. What would Mm -hmm. that be? You touch it and feel it and you look at it every day and everybody has one. Apple. Yes, so you have an Apple phone. So Apple would be a blue chip stock. Okay. So it's just what you see and what's the best. So it's not like if you were going to do like retail, right? You're not going to pick some weird, obstruct like retail store. Pick one that's on every single street corner. Target. Okay. Walmart. Let me ask. First, I'm going to tell you what where the term blue ship came from. It came from, and I'm surprised you didn't remember this. It's from the game of poker where because the blue chips are the chips that have the highest value. Mm. So when... They use the term blue chip in terms of the stock market. What they're talking about are stocks and the companies have the longest established history of very stable earnings. And I think that's important because you're not going to hear of this like up and coming company that is a blue chip. So, for example, what was it? GameStop. Yeah. Right. Like that would not be considered a blue chip. No. Because it's not stable earnings. Also, and this is a question. Blue chip is a, it's an opinion that many people share, but it's not like a certification or like a blue check where you're given the stamp of approval. It's just like everyone pretty much agrees that Nike has earned blue chip status. That's the word. They've earned it. So for example, Warren Buffett, the best investor of, of our generation for the last 80 years, he didn't buy Apple early. Oh. He didn't believe in it. It wasn't a blue chip at that time. No. So he waits until they become blue chips. And now he owns like 25% of his shares are in Apple. So he waits. And because it wasn't a blue chip stock at that time, he was invested in something else. You study and have read so many books. You listen to so many podcasts. You watch so many programs. Like you literally study wealth. What would you say are some of the reasons why people who begin to accumulate wealth become more wealthy. Like you study those people who aren't like constantly hitting it big and then losing it all. Like they stay wealthy and they continue to have their money work a lot harder and they become more and more wealthy. So what are they doing? If you can give us just a couple of their principles that we try to follow. First of all, they're not looking for like a big hit. They're comfortable with investing monthly, quarterly, annually, however you set it up, they almost 
use it as the same as like they pay their rent or they pay their mortgage or they pay their car payment, they pay their investments. So that meaning they're putting money into their investments on a regular basis. It's the old note, the more time you have for your investments to grow, the more wealthy you're going to become. And you get to a point where you've been doing this for 5, 10, 15 years, you don't want to be risky. You see the benefits of like, it's kind of like the person that jogs or just keeps moving at a slow pace is overcomes the person that is just going to sprint all out yeah they're going to put all their money into this crazy basket that yeah they once, want a big hit once they get a, nervous when there's a recession or when when stocks go down yeah once a million they get a big hit they make it and you know what they do with the, that what typically they don't take it out in time they think that it's never going to go down because they have that mindset because they didn't see it work. Like there's something about like watching your money work for you and seeing it grow steadily over time that becomes satisfaction to you. It is not a gamble. I don't think it is. I don't think it's a gamble. Is that why you don't do day trading? And what, what is your thoughts on day trading? Yeah, I think people out there are very successful at day trading and they can make a lot of money doing it. There are programs and there's people that can show you how to do that. There are advantages of doing things on a daily basis that kind of offset what you do for long term. Uh I'm not interested in learning that because I know that the way they describe the feeling of a day trade or like a swing trade that's only a few days reminds me of like the high that I possibly could get from gambling. I see. And I just don't want to risk that. It's not good for you. It's not something that I want to look into and I don't even want to entertain it because at this point, I don't need to be risky. Mm -hmm. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a very important message about smelling your body odor. Listen, sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Like, My husband showers three times a day. I ain't got time for that. And I don't want to get in water that many times per day. I get cold. I saw this hysterical ad. You've probably seen it for Lumi deodorant. But it's a really funny ad with this girl who talks about how you can put the deodorant um, pretty much everywhere. And I thought to myself, you couldn't pay me enough to film that ad. But listen, if they want to be a show sponsor, I'm all about it because this solves a problem for me. So sure enough, I tried it. I'm in my bathroom right now, and I am looking at my Lumi deodorant stick, which I have in Peony Rose. Okay, so here's the thing. Work with me for a second. This was developed by an OBGYN. So she created a deodorant that you could put on any part of your body. You can put it anywhere. It's perfectly safe. It's perfectly natural. And like, let's think about it. Your underarms are not the only place where odor comes from. Let's just leave it at that. Now, if you're like me, I couldn't imagine using the same stick for multiple places. (laughs) So you definitely want to check out their starter kit. I highly recommend it. I'm a big fan of the Peony Rose, but I like to get two different scents so that I know that one color is for the body and one color is for the underarm. That's just me. They've got a really cool way you can kind of customize your starter kit, and I highly recommend it. Listen, They have over 150,000 five-star reviews, so I'm pretty confident you're going to love it. Oh, and I know you're going to love 40% off, which you get when you get your starter pack, 
by going to Lumi Deodorant. I'm going to spell it L-U-M-E deodorant.com and use Coach Lean. Don't forget to use Coach Lean because that's what gives you the big discount. I mean, a 40% discount is huge and you don't want to be the smelly kid. No, you want to smell amazing naked. You want to smell amazing when you wear your clothes. You just basically want to smell amazing, but you don't want to expose your body to unnecessary chemicals, antibiotics, things that just aren't good for us overall. So check out Lumi. Again, it's lumideodorant.com and use code Shaleen for 40% off. I know that the way they describe the feeling of a day trade or like a swing trade that's only a few days reminds me of like the high that I possibly could get from gambling. I see. And I just don't want to risk that. It's not good for you. It's not something that I want to look into and I don't even want to entertain it because at this point I don't need to be risky. Mm -hmm. You get a lot of people asking if it's you who's DMing them about investment opportunities on Instagram. Can you address that? (laughs) Well, hopefully everybody in the, that follows me listens to the, your podcast, but here's the problem with Instagram is that when you talk about finances, the bots, yeah, the bots go nuts. There's a lot of creepy, weird people that are trying to impersonate people that talk about finance. I will never in the history of my life ever DM anybody a proposition to invest in crypto or in any kind of, <laughs> financial thing. I just would never do that. I'm not a financial, but I'm never going to DM you and say, Hey, I got this amazing deal. You should get in on it. It's never going to happen. If I'm going to suggest something, I'm doing it on my stories. It's going to be really me talking to you. Like when I tell everybody about Wealthfront, where you shouldn't be having money in your savings, you should transfer your money to Wealthfront and get yourself like four and a half percent right now on your money that's just sitting in a savings account. And a typical savings account interest rate is basically zero. Yeah. And people freak out. They're like, wait, I can do this? And I'm like, yeah, you can do this. And people are like, oh, do you have an affiliate link? I'm like, I don't want an affiliate link. I just want to give you sound advice on money. Yeah. And it's up to you if you want to take it or not. Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at it. But I will never DM you anything. So what should people do when they get a message from someone that looks like Brett Johnson? He's got all the same posts as you. It's like Johnson dot eleven or whatever. Yeah. Brett with three T's. Just report the person. Instagram's not doing a whole lot about it. They're about to change it, though. So they're about to offer people a blue check to verify who they are. And they're going to basically make you prove who you are. And so hopefully soon we'll we'll pay for that for Brett because it is very annoying to have people impersonate you. I just sure hope bots don't get blue checks. They can't because they have to provide a driver's proof of identification. Okay, as long as that. Yeah, then I've applied for it. And a lot of you guys have said, can you just get a blue check? It's not, I can't call up Mark Zuckerberg well, and get the soon, blue check. Soon. I know. As soon as we can, then I then I will. So I've heard help. it's going to be 14, around $14, $15 a month for I, the blue check. I, I will pay triple that so I don't have my followers and have to deal with like 20 people telling me that there's somebody impersonating yeah, me. Yeah, you don't need to tell him. He already knows and there's nothing you can do about it. It just makes him mad. <laughs> and he's like, it's so frustrating. Because they block me so I can't do anything about it. Okay, so for that person who is really not great about saving and investing, and they believe that I'm just not good at it, what do you think is going on there? I think that people that have 
I'm sure you're talking about adults. Yeah. Had some money mindset disturbance when they were younger, whether it was a relative or a parent, or maybe they had a bad situation with money the first time that they ever got it. But typically what happens is, is that you're told at a young age that money doesn't grow on trees. It's like, you're always going to be in this situation. It's so hard to save money. It's like, we just did an audio book where a janitor, okay, the janitors, whatever, it's a profession. But would you think a janitor when he retires at age 60 would be worth $7 million? And he was. He literally became a janitor in his early 20s and he had a great money mindset. And he was told that you need to invest, like, I forget the percentage, but he went to the max of his percentage and put that part of his check in every single year. And when he retired at 50 years later or 40 years later, he had like $7 million. And it was because he had a great money mindset. Now, people that don't probably had growing up, just somebody that said something to them about money that just rubbed them the wrong way or Mm -hmm. stuck in their brain. It was just like, oh, I'll never be able to be wealthy. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's only for the rich. Mm. Investing in buying stocks is only for people that have money. And that's just not true because nowadays you can buy fractional shares of stocks. Did you know that? Yeah, I did. That's why I want you to start as early as possible. Let's say there's a share of Tesla that's $200 and you only have $100. You can buy half a share of it, which is amazing. That That's, that's just, with apps, correct? Yeah. Which apps can you buy fractional oh, shares? Almost every single financial app now. So you can do okay. it on E-Trade, all of them, Ameritrade. They've all had to adopt. Like once one does it, they all have to do it. The number one app that you recommend people open an account with to get started as a beginner oh, okay. for investing and maybe even buying fractional stocks. So if you're just starting out and you're like, I don't want to learn about blue chip stocks. How can I just do this where I want safe? I don't need to be risky. The best thing that you can do is open an account with Fidelity or Vanguard. Either one of those companies are fine. And what you're going to do is you're going to buy their S&P 500 index fund. That's all you have to do. Warren Buffett talks about it all the time. If you want to read about it, just Google Warren Buffett index fund, Vanguard or Fidelity. He literally tells you if you did this 50 years ago and you didn't do anything else, it's what he says is all you're doing is betting on the USA. When you buy all the top 500 companies in the United States, All you're betting on is that the United States is still going to be around Mm -hmm. and that they're going to keep thriving through different industries. And it's basically just betting on the United States. That's all you're doing. I think that's a very simplified way of explaining it. You have explained that in greater detail in a previous podcast, and I don't want to repeat that same content. But what I will do is link the last couple of shows that Brett has gone over questions very similar to the ones that we're discussing today, but a lot of maybe questions you still have or that we haven't answered today, but in that same vein. So I will link to those in the podcast as well as Brett's course. So Brett has a course called Money Matters and this is not an ad for Money Matters, but every day we get messages from people who are like, I had no clue where to start. And I love that this program walked me through it super fast. It's super affordable. And I think if you've got kids or teenagers or in their 20s, 
and you feel like, gosh, I never taught them about investing their money or how to get their money to make the money, buy the course. You go through it and then give it to them. We've had a lot of people that do homeschool for kids buy the course and have them do the course, which yeah. I think is really cool. Yeah, and it's not like it's a course for kids, but I just think it's something that is not taught and it needs to be, which is really important. One question that I got frequently is, okay, once I start investing, how do you recommend people figure out how often they should do it? Or like, is there a set percentage and is there a set time frame? Like, is it weekly, monthly, annually? Yep. So we like to say that it's 5 to 15% of your income. So just for purposes, to make this super simple, let's work with 100. Okay. Okay. So if your income is $100,000, so that means your annual investments would be five to $15,000. Mm-hmm. So it's pre-tax. Mm-hmm. So that means you have to set aside $5,000 to $15,000 to invest for that year. If it were me, I would do that weekly, if not monthly. Yep. So, it's, so it feels more doable. Bite-sized chunks, the same way you break down any goal. That's just the number. So then that then you would take, let's say you want to do it $15,000. So you would just divide that. If you're doing it by monthly, you divide it by 12. If you're doing it weekly, you divide it by 52. If you're doing it by quarter, divide it by four. I agree with you. I would do it monthly just because it seems like it's a monthly payment and it's mm-hmm. just something like I have to do this and you budget it for it. You already did. So it's you put it in every single month and that way you don't have to worry about like when you hear people say like timing the market, like nobody can time the market. Like nobody can put their money in when the market's low and take it out when it's high. It just doesn't happen. So you might as well just bleed the money in. It will all even out at the end. Mm-hmm. Kathleen says, I see lots of people that I follow and look up to on social media saying that they've made X amount of money per day in stocks. Like, for example, one person said they took $1,000 and turned it into 20 k Is this possible? Yes, it is possible. It's also quite possible that that person has tried that 20 times and failed, but they're uh-huh. just going to give you the one success because that is 100%. That's like a risk. That's like somebody that tells you that they win at gambling all the time and they never lose. Right. So it's just not possible. If it were possible, like they'd be a multi-billionaire. Yes. So people that when you see these crazy things, like I make $15,000 a week day trading. No, you don't. Because there are some weeks that are like completely horrible. Everybody loses money. So yeah, maybe there was one or two weeks during the, of the year that that happened, but it's not consistency. The people that win in investing are people that are in it for the long haul. And that goes with real estate too. You buy a property, it takes time for it to appreciate game equity. It's not something like you buy the first day and then all of a sudden the next day your property is doubled, mm-hmm. right? So it takes time. It takes time to mature. It takes time for your equity. And it's the same thing with your investments. So the best way to do this is to invest slowly. Let's say you pick once a month to put money in and you put it in the index fund. You never think about it. And then over time, you see how the money starts growing. Now, what's great about like forgetting it, like you always say, like set it and forget it, mm-hmm. right? You can literally set this up with 
all your apps that it, like it automatically takes the money out of your bank account every single month it deposits it's in the trading account the trading account initiates the trade you get a confirmation now all of a sudden your money's making you money right but the greatest thing ever is like compound interest like they call it the eighth wonder of the world mm-hmm. and what that means is let's just do that hundred thousand dollars again because it's so easy so let's say for instance you have a hundred thousand dollars and your annual return on that hundred thousand dollars for 2023 is ten percent so now at the end of the year you have a hundred and ten thousand dollars okay so now you're going into 2024 and you're adding money all the time to it right because you're still having your 15 percent but let's just say you're 110. Then the next year you make 10% on 110, not 100. So now you just made I see. another 11%, yeah. I mean 11,000. Now you're up to 121. So at the end of two years, your $100,000 is $121,000. That's how fast it works. And when you keep adding to it, it's just a multiplier. Can I tell you the thing that makes me the happiest is our friends who have taken your advice when they were like, Ah, I just, I don't know. I feel strapped, but I also know I need to count on me and I need to get wise about investments. They just took your advice when it was, it was hard. Mm -hmm. And they didn't want to spend that money. One of our friends just recently told me, I cannot believe that that investment's already over a million dollars. Yeah, it's crazy. It doesn't take as long. I mean, obviously, to get to a million dollars, you got to start off with a, a pretty nice. Soap. How much did that person invest? I think it was two hundred. Two hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I think five years later, mm-hmm. it's a million dollars. It's over a million. Mm-hmm. That's freaking cool. Yeah, it's really cool, and it's a different type of investment. This person is young. It's a little bit more risky, but the person knew that. Like when we talked about it, I was like, "Okay, listen to me. If you do this, I want you to just let it." mature for the next 10 to 12 years. And then we'll talk about that. If you have a bad six months or you have a bad year in the portfolio, it doesn't look like it's growing as fast. I don't want to hear about it. Just let it take time. Because I, I know what the power is of letting your money work for you over time. I've seen it. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I said it was really difficult for this person to do that at that time is because they decided to take this chunk of money that they had And it was a difficult decision because it meant that if they never saw another dime, if they had to lose that 200,000, they would survive, but it was going to be tight. But they could afford to kind of buckle down, live a little leaner and take that money and invest it. And where they are today, it's just remarkable to think that they have that nest egg sitting there waiting for them. And, And it's compounding interest. I'd like to just, I know this wasn't a question, but it's kind of a observation comment i think it's okay when you're investing to take some risks especially if you are taking an educated risk meaning like you've studied it maybe it's a new and upcoming company and you're like you know what i've been following this company for years they just became public i'm gonna buy some shares in this i really like the ceo yeah whatever you've done your research but it's still risky. It's not blue chip. Maybe it's even a real estate thing. But you, you know, your friend talked about it and you've done all the research. What I say about risky investments is put as much money into your risky investment as you're willing to wake up one morning and it to be gone. Okay. 
whatever that number is for you, if you want to do this risky, highly speculative type of investment, if you woke up and you and your spouse, you and your partner were okay with that money just like disappearing, then go ahead and do it. About six months ago, after doing blood work, I found out that I was deficient in magnesium. My integrative doctor suggested that I increase my magnesium to help with my bone density because I was showing signs of osteopenia and osteoporosis runs in my family. And I'm like, okay, so then do I need a calcium supplement? They're like, no, you need a magnesium supplement and you need a super high quality one because there's seven different forms of magnesium that your body really needs to function at its highest. And a lot of the magnesium supplements that are on the market are just one strain. I'm like, I don't want to take seven additional supplements. So I found a company that makes a product called Magnesium Breakthrough that actually includes all seven forms of the magnesium. And I started taking it initially just for my bone density. But when I looked at my sleep score after I started taking Magnesium Breakthrough, I was like, well, this is the only thing I'm doing different. And my REM sleep just continues to get better and better. So why waste money on a magnesium supplement that only gives you one or two strains or isn't high quality? So if you want better sleep, better energy, help regulate your blood pressure, bone density, less irritability, and less muscle cramping, you definitely want to look at doing a high quality magnesium like magnesium breakthrough. They've created an exclusive offer for Schleen Show listeners. Can I give you a piece of advice? And I hope they're okay with this. I'm just going to say it. They offer a 365-day money-back guarantee. So here's what I would do. If you get a 90-day supply, you save 25%, which is huge. Plus, they have the special right now that if you use code Shaleen, they're going to give you that discount of 25% off. Plus, they send you a pair of blue light blocking glasses. And blocking blue light is also going to help your sleep. Listen, if you just want to get a bottle, you save 10% off with that code. But I'm just saying, why not save 25% off, do a three-month supply? And if you don't love it, then take advantage of their money-back guarantee. But hello, I'm saying do the three-month supply and save yourself some money and get yourself a pair of glasses. And all of this, you'll need to use code Shaleen when you go to Meg, M-A-G, breakthrough.com forward slash Shaleen. Meg, breakthrough.com forward slash lean to get your special gift. If you woke up and you and your spouse, you and your partner were okay with that money just like disappearing, then go ahead and do it. We talk a lot about the fact that where we're at today in terms of the lifestyle that we're able to enjoy is in part because we have multiple streams of income, meaning multiple business centers, but also a big chunk of that is our investments. So because we talk about investments, people often ask us what kind of investing they should do. Today, we've talked about blue chip stocks. We've talked about stocks and bonds in the past. We haven't talked too much about the other types of investing that people can do, but I guess you could consider your savings account, I mean, less than 1%. Yeah, it's like 0.05%. Okay, so that's but you're not going to lose it. So that's probably, if, if we were to list the types of investing that you can do, there's savings accounts or, and there's Wealthfront. I would put that just. Yeah. I mean, Wealthfronts could be a savings account in that it is our savings account. We don't have $1 in a typical bank, like Bank of America savings account. The money that cash that we are not using right now is sitting in Wealthfront. Mm-hmm. 
So there's those things. Then there's bonds. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm listing these in order of, I don't want to say security, but like, I guess risk, like the, safe. The, they're the safest. I'm going from safest to perhaps most risky. So savings, your wealth front, then there's your bonds. Because those are government backed. So mm-hmm. those are pretty secure. Then there's your blue chip stocks, right? Then I know it sounds crazy, but gold and silver. Yep. Thoughts on gold and silver? It's a hedge for like, obviously with what we're going through right now, inflation. So the thought is this, if your country, you know, their money all of a sudden becomes no good. Like you need gold and silver to be able to like to trade and barter. I mean, you go like back to like that. Day it's, it's a physical it's a asset. Metal. So, and it's a pressure metal, metal. So there are those people who are like, I don't want a stock. I don't want a piece of paper. I want something physical. Obviously that means it's very liquid. Correct. You it means you can go down to the street corner and sell it and get cash for it. And then moving down this list, Each thing that I'm going to share with you has a little bit more risk. And the next would be residential real estate. Obviously, certain states, certain areas, I would say probably the best residential real estate you can invest in right now, safest, wouldn't you say is probably the villages? (laughs) Probably. The villages is unbelievable. They go up 10% every single year. Thus far. No, it's going to max out. It's going to cap. Yeah. But that's probably incredibly, that's a really good res. Retirement centers are great pieces of property too. I had a friend 40 years ago that was investing in properties that were going to, for the baby boomers. And he was doing it 40 years ago. Commercial real estate now is certainly more risky because changes in the economy, changes in the way that people shop, changes in our consumer behaviors. And again, when we talk about risk, as you look at it being an increased risk, there's also perhaps a bigger payout, but you're also dealing with a bigger risk, right? Moving up the list of risk would be syndicated real estate. We've Mm -hmm. talked again in a previous episode about syndicated real estate. We really like syndicated real estate. Just a quick thing about syndicated real estate. Basically, all that means is is that you're kind of buying a property with a bunch of people. It's almost fractional. Yes, it's like fractional ownership, but they hire a property management company. You don't even know like if there's any problems. You get a monthly statement about like, basically just get a check every single month. But once a quarter, they might give you like an update on like how many people defaulted on their rent, how many vacancies they have, all that kind of stuff. But basically, as you put your money in to a place and you go buy a big apartment complex and you share the wealth. Okay, now even more risky than that is venture capital and startup capital because obviously there's the potential for a big payout, but there's a lot of risk involved because you might be investing in someone because you really like them, but you haven't done enough research about the market. It's just very risky. And then last on the list, and perhaps the most risky of all, and some people might disagree with us, crypto. Yes. I mean, but if you do your research, it is the most risky. But again, if you bought cryptocurrency 10 or 12 years ago at like less than a penny, it's now worth $24,000. So yeah, if you did it way back when and you got involved with it somehow, you were speculative, you did your research, whatever, and more power to you. There's a handful of people out there that are driving multiple Lamborghinis because they invested in crypto early. It's just, it's a very, very speculative currency. Plus it's hard to understand now there's all these different kinds of coins. So people have definitely, well, I already know this. The last couple of years, people have lost their ass 
stocks in cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. It just depends. Yes. Here's how you have to look at investing. As I've just read through this list, how risk adverse are you, right? So the lower the risk, consider this, the lower the risk, historically, the lower the returns. So like a 401k, obviously, there's very low risk there, but there's also historically a much lower return. So I would say you have to look at how do I want to risk making more money or do I really, really want to play it safe? And that's different for every single person. And it's also dependent upon how hungry are you to learn more and to do your knowledge? As you always say, like, do your own research. Like, it drives you crazy when people ask you, hey, is this completely safe? Because the reason why that drives you crazy is because you're like, wait, why are you asking me? I'm a complete stranger. What I say doesn't even matter. Do your own freaking research. If I give you a name of a company to go invest with or that they're giving you a great return and your question is back, is this safe? Well, then you didn't Google them. You didn't do any research. You're just taking my opinion and saying it, it's factual. The only way you're going to sleep well at night is when you go do your own research, especially with money. I mean, every single thing we invest in, we talk about, I do a ton of research. We don't always just do the very first thing that comes down the pike. Like Shalene has this new thing. We just said no to a startup business the other day because it wasn't a hell yes. Like we wasn't like we were all in. So like Shalene says, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. Yeah, so we've got the money to look at some more. For us, they're considered far more risky investments, venture capital and startups. And when people come to us, as they often do with those proposals, we just ask, is this a hell yes? Do we really believe in the product? Have we done our market research? Do we like the people? Like, do we love everything about this? Not just do we love the person, but do we love everything about this? If it's not a yes, absolutely, then it's a hell no for us. Okay, Most of these questions are answered in greater detail inside Brett's course, but I'm just going to go through these rapid fire. We're going to try to answer these in like 30 seconds or less. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. I have $50,000 in cash sitting in a low interest savings account. What should I do with it? Put it in Wealthfront. What the F is happening with the stock market right now? Should I take out all my money and will it come back soon? This is a horrible decision to take out all your money. Unless you're 70 years old and you have a few years to live and you don't want to lose any more money, then take it out and live on that money. But if you are in the market for the next 10, 15, 20 years, don't take your money out. Somebody did that last year, a friend of mine, and they literally like, I took all my money out. I couldn't handle it anymore. We had a bunch of friends do that. They literally took all their money out when the market was down 25%. In the next three months, the stock market went up 15%. So you just lost yourself 15% of your money that you took out. Like, don't do that. That's why if you do it monthly, like we talked about earlier, you're going to avoid all this. The S&P is going to fluctuate between 3,800 and 4,200 for most of the year. So just deal with it. Best place to invest $10,000. Your first $10,000, open up a Fidelity or a Vanguard fund and buy the S&P 500. I just received a $10 raise. How do I keep more of that than the IRS? Start a side hustle so you have legitimate deductions because there's when you work for other people and you live in certain states there's just no way you can keep it best advice for 18 year old college kids on how to get started investing 
look into Acorn, which is way to invest like that you can round up like your money. So like, like you go to Starbucks or something like that and you spend $4.25, like it'll round up to the nearest dollar. So you'll put in 75 cents into an investment thing. Just start small, start getting involved, start buying blue chip stocks, start buying things that you, that kids your age do all the time, like Airbnb. How can I trust a financial advisor? The same way you trust anyone. Also to know that you can't trust anyone entirely I mean, look at this Murdoch trial right References. now. Yeah, the same way you would figure out and do your due diligence on anyone that you need to trust, whether it's someone you're going to marry or someone who's going to manage your money. But just remember, humans lie and you just have to do your due diligence and put your trust in someone. And I would also go with a big firm. Okay. I would go with somebody that's been at a firm that's like Merrill Lynch or Morgan Stanley or something like that. That's a big institution where they are a financial advisor under an umbrella of a huge company. A lot harder to scam you out of things. And then you got to ask around, ask your CPA if they have anybody too. Just came into $30,000 and I have $20,000 in credit card debt pay the credit card debt off so then you don't have to worry about that and whatever that payment was going to be. So let's say, so you have $30,000. So you're going to buy $10,000 of an index fund. Like I just said, you're going to pay the $20,000 credit card off. Then you're going to get yourself a credit card that is cash back, a cash back credit card. You're going to pay it off once a month. You're not going to do anything on that credit card that's going to build up your debt. So you pay it off. So you're going to get a little cash back on your credit card all the time. Now, whatever you have that you are going to pay that credit card off, because obviously the $30,000 is kind of money you just came into, like you said. So if your credit card payment was a couple hundred bucks a month, start adding that couple hundred bucks to your investment portfolio. Great, honey, this has been super helpful. I hope you guys got a lot out of this. If it's something you like the way Brett teaches and you want to learn more and and you really want to, you want to start, taking control of your financial situation, which you need to, you need to feel empowered. We feel empowered when we have knowledge. Knowledge is power. So again, I just want to recommend that you check out Brett's course, Money Matters. It's ideal for those of you who are asking these kinds of questions. And thank you for continuing to do so. I think we're helping a lot of people by having these conversations and empowering people to realize like you can live the life that you want, but not if you're just like, you think You've been dealt these cards and you just have to deal with it. No, you can learn how to get your money to make you money. Thanks for being here. Love you. Mean it. Talk to you soon. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, just do me a favor and double check and make sure that you're subscribed or following if you're actually someone who listens on the Apple podcast. And if you've got just like 30 seconds, it would really mean the world to me if you were able to leave a five-star review and tell me specifically what it is you liked about this episode. My show is released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I do also have a business podcast that comes out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I host that with my son, Brock. It's called Build Your Tribe. You should check it out. There's always a link in the show notes. I'm sure you know this, but on Fridays, my episodes are very casual. It's very personal. It's usually stuff with myself and my husband. If you love that kind of stuff, I want to invite you to check out my Patreon. It's all of the Shaleen Show episodes ad-free. In addition to that, for just $5 a month, you get extra episodes. And this is this is the stuff that's like kind of too personal to put on 
The Shaleen Show, it, it's all personal stuff. There's like no like personal development. It's just real, raw, what's going on in our lives, stuff we can't talk about on the show. However, if you are easily offended, Patreon is not for you. That's not the place to be, all right? You can learn more about it by going to patreon.com forward slash The Shaleen Show. Any of the links that I referenced in this episode will show up in the show notes, which are just below the episode. To learn more about the services that I offer and to take advantage of some of the free resources, I invite you to check out my website, which can be found at shaleen.com. 